Uh, welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad here on the East Coast, along with my co-host on the West Coast, the intrepid Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Greetings. Uh, so today, we're going to talk about a few news items, and then we're going to get into our recap review of The Walking Dead, World Beyond, uh, episode seven, I think, or six. Something I'm like that. Sure. One of those episodes. Um, and if you do have AMC+, Plus, you can actually watch the next one a little earlier, which uh, we will, so we'll talk about that one the next time, but um, I actually start to dive into it, so I will try not to mix these up, as I want to do. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to just do a quick check-in about COVID, because it's still going on. And despite Is some it people's... ever... And despite what some people said, it certainly did not disappear after November 4th. And uh, in fact, we are spiking in many places. Uh, Cases are definitely going up in New York and they are doing some, I've seen in some states that they're starting to do some more mandates. Um, It seems to be a little bit more of what um, New York was doing to try to control some hotspots. In fact, those hotspots that had previously been shut down have now been relaxed a little bit because the numbers went down in those areas. But I think that they are standing by to see what's going to happen because numbers are definitely going up. Yeah, you, um, you guys are... I was all proud of your keeping it below 1,000 new cases a day, and you probably managed it for like the better part of four months. Yeah. And now New York, like much of the rest of the country, is up in the multi-thousands. Still, well, look, you're better off than most places. But. We are better off. And I do think that some of the things have been, at least, again, is still in my neighborhood. People are still being very careful about wearing masks and stuff. But you do see, I mean, look, they've broken up parties. Uh, they did especially this over Halloween. There were just massive parties over in Williamsburg um, and Long Island. And those specific uh, things have been linked to multiple positive cases of COVID happening. So these are definitely big events. And let's just say, I'm sure that there's a lot of things that people aren't catching and aren't breaking up. And so I think that it's only a matter of time. And I think that there are a lot of people who are fatigued. And look, all I can say is that this, all this behavior does not give me huge faith that we could survive a zombie apocalypse because you'd probably have a lot of people saying, no, they don't exist (laughs) or like whatever. Um, And I do think that the difficulty with COVID is how differently it affects different people. And there's no way to know whether you would have a serious case or not. So many people are asymptomatic and are able to spread it despite being having no symptoms. Some people get a mild case and then some people die. And the way it's interesting, I don't know if you saw the articles that came out this week, but just talking about sort of the ways that they're figuring out how it's impacting uh, the circulatory system and things like that, which explains some people having the symptoms like COVID toes. Oh, they're talking about blood type. Yeah, that's been a that's been going around. No, 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 not no, not blood type. In, In fact, they were talking about how it actually affects your system, because one of the things they couldn't really figure out was why, especially, unfortunately, during a postmortem examination, uh, patients that has succumbed had uh, things going on with their lungs that they just couldn't quite figure out what the mechanism is. And now they think they have. It's not positive, but at least maybe it gives some idea. Um, and we knew this a little bit before, is that it was causing some some clotting. And this is why there's stroke and um, sort of the blood clots and things happening. So um, at least in the UK, they were automatically basically giving aspirin to certain people and finding that that helped a little bit. And so hopefully they're, they're learning more and more about it. Um, the other positive thing is that we've got a couple of vaccines just a little further along 
in uh, the process, not the one in Russia, honestly, um, but the one by Moderna and AstraZeneca are pretty far along. So maybe we'll see some positive news out of that, though both of them have had some issues. Mm-hmm. So I am I admit to you, I am not totally thrilled about um, the safety of that. And I, I would have to know a lot more about those trials and see what's happening there to feel I, comfortable taking the it. The question I have, HA, with coronavirus these days is we are we have more cases than we ever have, right? We've, yep. We're up above 120,000 new cases a day in the United States. And we have been mm-hmm. for multiple days in a row. This is, this is a world record, I think. Maybe Brazil was up there for well, a couple of days, but we are in, definitely it, leading the charge. And so my question here is, mm-hmm. why is our death rate not significantly higher than it was in April or May? So they have a few theories about that. One is that with some people wearing masks and that kind of thing, um, that they're getting a lower viral load. Uh, So despite the fact that maybe it doesn't, and look, it's never been that it completely protects people. And I don't think anybody ever says that unless, I mean, only if you're wearing the super high-end PPE and the N95s and things like that, does that do anything to really keep you safe and we've even seen obviously in hospitals some nurses and doctors in our frontline healthcare workers have contracted the virus despite all precautions so it's not 100% foolproof but you definitely have a better chance of protecting yourself from it if you're wearing that kind of mask and taking those precautions Um, but what they do think is that the viral load if you are wearing a mask especially one that has like double layers and this includes like the cloth masks and whatever will stop a huge amount of the virus getting into your system because that apparently is what impacts the severity of your case Mm -hmm. so that is one thing the other part is that as they have learned how to treat it, they are better at doing what they need to do. So, for example, initially everybody, and remember all of the news about ventilators and we're going to need ventilators and that kind of thing, they actually have found that that is not the most helpful, um, putting people on oxygen for a long amount of time repositioning them so that they can breathe a little bit better. Um, They do have a couple of drugs that have helped a little bit, um, but basically not immediately putting people on ventilators and, and they have learned just better ways to deal with it. I think that explains it too. Um, So I think that that is probably why it's lower. Um, And then the other part is that I don't necessarily think, okay, so testing has definitely gone up and I think it's capturing a lot more people that have tested positive. And if you remember before, there weren't those people being captured. You couldn't get a test. Um, honestly, it was very, very challenging in so many places, especially places where the cases were going up to be able to actually get a, def- a definitive test to show whether you had it or not. And I think it's just capturing how widespread this actually is. So I don't think it's necessarily that the deaths are going down. I think it's just showing how widespread the virus actually is. So, you Well, know, that so is that... three different reasons. It's more than I thought you would have. Uh, but it's definitely a fact that, you know, six months ago, no, maybe five months ago, we had 2,000 people dying a day from coronavirus just in the United States. Mm-hmm. We've been above 1,000 a day for a few days while we're in this uh, unprecedented spike. But... Nothing as bad as it was in the spring. So that's good news. Uh, Yeah, but I do think it's also going to undercut the severity, the implied severity of the virus, and people are going to not take it as seriously. Well, and then the other part, which I don't 
I, I hesitate to mention, but I do think it's part of it. If you recall, they changed how to report these things, and I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe not all the deaths are being reported as COVID-related, even though they might be. Because so, of comorbidity? Uh, yeah, and I think that, that you're definitely, and especially like in those places, like, look, they took this away from basically an independent um they took this away from CDC and they changed the reporting and they actually made it um, a lot more difficult on the hospitals to be reporting it and how they were reporting it. So I have to say I have a, I have some questions about the numbers and what they are. Um, I don't think that they're I do think that possibly the the mortality like I don't I'm not suggesting that that this is like crazy because I do think that there's a possibility that the mortality rate is down a little bit because of the reasons I mentioned. But I also think that if you change the way that it's reporting and then suddenly you're seeing this, this lower rate, I have to question that a little bit. So Indeed. that's, that's, so that's a concern and I'm very curious to see what happens uh, as we go down the road. Um, but anyway, so yeah, there's that. It's bad. Mask up, back up, yep. wash up. Stay safe. Let's yeah. uh, let's talk a little bit about zombie stuff. Cool. Um, so um, we have a few news items. One is about the new Zack Snyder uh, film, a Netflix project called Army of the Dead, and we've talked about this a few times. Uh, this article doesn't really give too much new in- new information, other than it has a uh, quote from or a couple of comments from Garrett Dillahunt saying that. Zack Snyder is going to once again reinvent zombies. I'm not quite sure what he means by this, but he seems pretty, pretty uh, convinced that this is going to happen. Um, well, it's it's the press tour, so he has to say something that'll right, pique people's right. interest. Right, and I I'm, mean, look, you, we we were going to watch it. We know this. We're going to watch it. But let's just say I I like Zack Snyder. I think he is a great visual director and i don't have some of the issues that other people have with him but i also truly staunchly believe that he needs other people on his team to basically take care of the more creative end of things and our Um, understanding of this film is that is not the case i think and that and correct and so that worries me a bit because i think he's only his best when he's got other people kind of uh putting their putting their thoughts and and kind of Uh, fighting him a little bit on some of the things that he wants to do because you know I just don't think that he has an artistic vision that is exactly original and he doesn't fully understand some things that happen and and the reason why I say this is like you know look we we all his remake of Dawn of the Dead um there were things I really liked about it but he didn't fully understand the Romero idea and that it was pretty clear, but I did like a lot of the things he did with that. But some of those things were only because he had other people like kind of weighing in on that. Uh, okay, so, I mean, you feel like he didn't understand it, or he chose to go in a different direction. I think there's nothing that difficult or elusive about Romero's thinking. There isn't. I think maybe a little bit of both. But I also felt that way about his remake of Watchmen, where I felt like he got the visuals spot on, but he didn't really get the storytelling and understanding that that is a weird story and you kind of there were things he he did need to remake and think retell maybe um i just felt like he he got certain pieces of that but didn't really understand the 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 whole story as a whole um in the nuanced way that alan moore told it so um in any case i like look i'll give him i'll cut him some slack i think he's got some some good horror chops and so like well i'll reserve 
I will reserve my judgment. I just get a little concerned when I see these kinds of comments because <laughs> they're they're clearly made for the the the, pre, the tour. So we'll see. Um, anyway, um, then there was a whole up. bunch of insane. <laughs> uh, there's this crazy timeline coming up for it's not that crazy I guess but for The Walking Dead uh, The World Beyond and Fear the Walking Dead apparently so Fear the Walking Dead is going to break early this year um, uh, on epi- on their seventh episode of the season I haven't been watching it because we've been doing The World Beyond and I know we're going to go back and watch Fear the Walking yeah, Dead but I feel I like haven't... I'm missing so much I don't know about you I feel that way too but my concern and part of why I have not watched it is exactly what i said before is that i'm concerned i will muddy the storylines in my own head and then thus make this podcast you know even like i will be even more unintelligible than usual so anyway that's why i have not watched it yet but i know we will eventually get there totally um so they they will be breaking a little early and then there'll be a two-hour season finale for the world beyond on november 29th so we have that to look forward to before December and then in December there's going to be uh, an AMC Plus exclusive Walking Dead holiday special which gives me strong Star Wars vibes. I don't know what yeah. this is going to do. I saw this and that was my exact feeling. I'm like what is this going to be? Uh, this is very strange. Um I mean so... maybe it would be interesting to be like all right, how do they celebrate festive times uh, at the end of the world? <laughs> well man, if it's light day uh, we'll have to figure something out, but that would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's coming. Uh, in the meantime, also the uh, the Walking Dead Prime released a quote-unquote trailer in the form of a YouTube uh, like screen recording of one of their quote-unquote, table. again, table reads on yeah. Zoom with like the Brady Bunch approach. Uh, Kari Payton is apparently just reading stage directions in this, yeah. which I thought was a lot of... I don't know if that's how things ordinarily go, or if that's the director who reads that or who reads those. But I was like, why is King Ezekiel reading the stage directions? Yeah, it was a little unusual, but it was, you know, I kind of like... You know, I will say this about um, COVID times, is that I, some of the things that have been released, and I saw the one with... Um, there's been like several of these kinds of ideas. They did it with like Fast Times at Richmond High. Um, oh yeah, all the cast coming back together. Yeah, and like you know, I kind of it 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 has been an interesting. Uh, oh, and the Scott Pilgrim one I thought was really awesome, like and really fun to watch. And look, I think that this has made certain. The idea of doing this is is kind of a fun thing, and it's fun for fans to watch. So, I liked this idea, and and I can you know I'm I'm behind that. And if there's nothing else kind of going on, or if you just you know everybody's alone in their house, why not do something like this? So I'm all right with that. It, it was really interesting to watch. Um, oh God, I'm not remembering all the actors' names, but Maggie talking to Negan and yeah. Carol's there, and they keep splicing back and forth between the photo, uh, like the video of these actors doing their best to inhabit their their Character, roles yeah. on Zoom, but then they have the characters shown, because it's kind of hard to see Carol, yeah. um, and Melissa uh, McBride, with the short hair that she has, and then like counter juxtaposed with the queen, um, her queen hair, her long hair, yep. uh, 
Daryl wearing his when Norman Reedus is not on set, I think he always has a baseball hat on. It seems like, and he's wearing. Yeah, so he's like, like Daryl's wearing a baseball cap. Like, yeah, he always looks like super broy yeah. when you don't when you don't see him, like just when you, when you see him in real life. And that's the same thing I thought about uh, Melissa McBride with the hair. I'm like, man, that wig, wig must be just so annoying. I also really um, wanted to know what they were blurring out in Norman Reedus's background. There was yeah, a, unless that was like a filter, it was just all. Like something in his background might just be like a giant nude or I don't know what's going on. Uh, I I didn't know if it was that or some product, something that he shouldn't be, that they didn't want to get into trouble for copyright or something. But it was one of those things where like, what on earth is that? Like it's just a giant Um, Pizza Hut ad or something. It would just be really funny if it was. Um, but yeah, no, and I think it's, I think if you're a fan, this is definitely fun to watch. Um, and, and, and it gives idea... you a little bit of an insight into what, you know, the scene that's coming up because it was clearly a, a fraught scene and it might be the first scene between Maggie and Negan since she left the show. Right. And I think that that's something that everybody's talked about, that this is, would be something that was going to happen in yeah. the next, uh, in like after we, we came back to this. Um, one of the things I did think was interesting, though, uh, was just the idea and things that they've talked about in trying to film the season is just and not it's not funny, but it's just like given the subject matter of the show, the precautions they have to take on set because of COVID um, with the walker extras specifically <laughs> which is like we got to make sure the zombie extras don't get covid and that nobody gets covid and so they have all these like crazy things they're having to do on set to be able to make sure everybody's safe um and i totally i'm cool with everybody doing that i just think it's funny that on a zombie show you have to worry about a plague you know so. <sighs> what uh meta times we live in yeah um so on the, I want to stay on this topic for a minute because before we move on to the Colin Firth news, which is which is I mean wow, uh, AMC Plus. Um, well, this is actually there's a couple of elements to this. So what we know now is in the six episodes for the Walking Dead Prime show that are coming out in 2021, one of them at least will probably be partially set in the present day with Maggie coming back to the fold and whatever this scene is about, and then we will have. Uh, there's going to be at least one where Negan is in a flashback with his wife, Lucille, who is played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real life wife. Don't remember her name. Burton? It's something? Uh, Valeria, I think. Burton, maybe. Uh, and, and this is not super surprising when you consider that they've had a an AMC endorsed Instagram show, like come hang out with the Morgans or whatever, right? And yeah. it, it, she's we know she, we knew she was an actor from that. And she's clearly in the family based on the fact that they had I, I don't even know if it's still going on, but it was like chilling with the Morgans on the yeah. weekends or something was the yeah. name of their Instagram show for most of COVID. So there, that's going to be one flashback episode. And another one is going to be what happens to Maggie when she leaves uh, Alexandria and Hilltop and what yeah. what she's gone off to do, which I'm pretty excited about because that hopefully will cast some light on the stormtroopers and the commonwealth or maybe not maybe that's a, it's an entirely different community that she's wrapped up in the people who gave them the book on how to run a medieval town right um it's hillary by the way that's her name valeria so, hillary <laughs> hillary valeria you know uh, Very I, feel, I feel kind of bad hillary burton um but anyway um so but, so that's at least two of the episodes uh, out of six are going to be these, you know, pretty big project flashbacks. We knew it was going to be a lot of in-between cool c- content, so we'll see what else they dig up. Yep. 
Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing that, you know. It just can't it can't star Michonne, right? Because Nope. Denai Guerrero is off the show. So that's gonna be yeah. kind of interesting. Like how do they go how far back can they go? what characters are they gonna are they gonna prop up um Sinequa Martin Green's husband? For Scott or whatever his name is on the show. Like, who, who else are they going to highlight? I guess they, they can figure something out with Daryl and Carol to tease their new spinoff. But yeah, probably. We'll and they probably will do that, clearly. So, um, yeah. But anyway, still looking then, forward to it. It's super looking forward to those six episodes whenever they come out, probably in February, I think, or late January. We can look forward to those if they if you know production stays on sketch. Uh, and then finally, uh, AMC Plus, H.A. I know that you have subscribed to it. That's what the only reason why you can see this t- Walking Dead, The World Beyond episode that's yep. that released on Thursday, a day before it apparently airs to the rest of the world. Um, when did you decide to subscribe to AMC Plus and why? Um, well, it was actually because of this show, because I just did the math and it was like, well, might as well just do this while we do this review. But now they're reeling me in and this is how it always works with the with these things um i don't know if you found this but i we definitely have found this during covid oh, we we're God. just like oh we're gonna subscribe to this for a little bit and then we'll let it go but we of course you never do um we've been pretty successful in just kind of you know trying to keep the subscriptions that we actually watch but there's always this like specific show that you want to watch <laughs> and yeah, so like enterprise and then you subscribe yeah, to eight, like, cbs all access and then you just right you and then you decision. just leave it alone and uh you know especially like uh like we just so so i'm guilty of it too so in this case i have subscribed i'm not sure how long i will keep it but now of course they're releasing all this stuff that i clearly want to watch this is so, yeah this is the this is a problem for me well first of all i bought the season for the world beyond on amazon which is what i've done for all these all these walking dead shows and then what the problem is is that you don't actually like i had to subscribe to amc plus in order to watch the episode that we're talking about today because it wasn't on oh, amazon really? as of yesterday morning and i don't know i haven't That's looked weird. today because now i'm in amc plus and so now i can watch whatever i want apparently but holy crap, I paid, you know, the 29 and that's why it has a lot of one-star reviews on Amazon. It's like, hey, I paid for this show, and it's not even, I can't even watch it, except six, huh. seven days later. And it does also feel like they're not releasing them on a reliable basis. That's it used weird. to be the day after airing or two days, and now it's like a week later, and maybe you don't get it at all. And so... Hmm. To me, that's a huge misstep. Uh, that's so interestingly, like when we said we were going to review this, I did look at that. And normally that's what I have done is that I would buy the show outright, whatever show we were reviewing, because that was probably just, you know, less than what it would be to do the subscription over X amount of time. But 29 bucks is 29 bucks. And I was like, well, you know, let, let me see. So I did the trial and then I'm like, well, you know what? There's a few other things here. So I'm just, yeah. it, it does probably make sense from that point of view. You're going to spend um, so much I more am, than 30 bucks though on AMC Plus right, eventually, right? I will definitely, clearly, um, until I like cut it off. Um, but, you know, that was one thing about when you would buy it outright on Amazon, you could count on the fact that it would be up there like clockwork. So that's unusual. It's super, it's it been isn't. pretty frustrating for me to have, now I'm buying, I feel like I'm buying it twice. Except that, you know, in a few years, I can go back and watch it in my purchased stuff on Amazon, Big Whoop, because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go back and watch yeah, the show. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but, I just wanted we'll to, to express that. my frustration <laughs> with that, because I feel like I'm seeing, you know, when you look at the reviews, and all the almost all the one-star reviews are about that and not about the show itself. Huh. Uh, that's that's pretty telling. Uh, so AMC Plus, now I'm a member. Uh, go me. 
But also, I feel like this really plays into their strategy of trying to get people to go back to the cable model. Um, yep. And th- this is them doing a, a CBS All Access style. The thing is, though, AMC does have a lot of great original content that you can't get elsewhere. That's true. And so it almost they should have done this from the get go. I don't know why they were why they waited this long but it's just frustrating because now i've got other habits you know <laughs> i know i mean it, i was looking at some of the stuff on there which admit admittedly tipped me over a little bit to doing the amc subscription um at least for the interim um and so was able to sort of justify it in my own head um but i agree with you it seems odd that especially given the unique content that they have compared to other places, why they wouldn't have done this before, but maybe there was licensing issues and other things we don't know about. Um, but Hey, um, I'm, I'm on board for now and, and add it to my roster of all access things I've got going on. Yeah. Um, so, so sorry. anyway, we can talk about Colin Firth now. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Colin Firth is, if you ever want to see him, I mean, we, we, he was in the Kingsman, so we have seen him. He was in Bridget in, Jones' Diary. Yeah, but more in an action type <laughs> thing. Know. Kingsman is definitely more that. And now he is in this new uh, zombie thing. I don't know about you, H.A., but my wife loves Colin Firth with a deep um, passion. I, you know, I I like him. Come on, we all have our Pride and Prejudice things going on. Um, I admit I was kind of hoping he'd end up in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies just because, yeah. and that didn't happen. But um, in any case, I, New York will eat you alive is this new thing, and uh, I he looks good. And I don't know, are they trying to do a Liam Neeson thing with him? It kind of feels like maybe a little bit. That's I don't like know a how... tragic story why Liam Neeson only does action movies, though, right? Yeah. Because his wife... And he was like, I'm never going to do a romantic role. It's only going to yeah. be action movies or something. Yeah. And it's pretty sad. I mean, Natasha Richardson, they were clearly very much in love. And that was horrible. And, and still kind of a shocking way for somebody to die um, in this day and age. But um, apparently it happens more often than not. Um, she was the, That was like the skiing accident where she hit her head and they didn't realize that she had a bleed. Jesus. And she died and uh, left him. And it was actually kind of like he had done Love Actually before that happened. And that was the whole thing where he had lost his wife in that film. And so I think oh everybody God. has this everybody has this feeling of watching that, which is like, you know, poor the poor guy. Like you can get an idea. Um, he, I think... That's just t- t- terrible and tragic. But, so, but we think this is not what Colin Firth is doing between yeah, Kingsman One, Kingsman Two, and now zombie movies. Where, um, you know what? I think he's just having fun, yeah. and uh, I think that I will say I think action films probably take a little less of your soul sometimes, and huh. you know I think it's good he's enjoying. <laughs> yeah, I think he's enjoying this a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, so I'm kind of I'm excited to see this happen. Um, and this is based on something called Zombie Brother. Is that true? Apparently, or, that's like, the web comic, or, or uh, yeah, the uh, the original product was a uh, two dimensional or whatever. Well, I guess it's all two dimensional. It was a comic, and so they're they're re- reimagining it as a movie. Hmm. I've not read it, but I I'm I'm curious to watch this. I, I'm you know, Colin Firth, go you. <laughs> like we'll see. Maybe Holly will actually watch this with you. I think uh, there's a chance. Anyway. Um, And then lastly, uh, this was just a silly thing that Screen Ram put up, which was disappointing for both of us, Um, but it's (laughs) what type of zombie you are based on your Zodiac. Sadly, I got the Warm Bodies version of zombies, which, Uh, uh, you know, not not the most positive. And then you got the one that probably would, you you would have been like 
the worst. This this is like the worst possible choice for no, you. No, I think warm bodies would have been pretty bad for me too. <laughs> but yeah, getting the Santa Clarita diet style zombie, where you, which I've only watched like four episodes of because I just couldn't manage it. But it's just no, not what I was hoping for. I mean, but then again, I don't really want to be any kind of zombie at the end of the day. True, true. That is absolutely that's that's absolutely certain. So. Um, so, w- without further ado, are you ready to talk about this Madman Across the Water yeah. episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, this is the next episode in Walking Dead, The World Beyond. Um, Madman Across the Water, which, if people don't know, is in Elton John uh, title. So, I knew this. You did not. Is that correct? I sure didn't. Um, I did not know exactly what was on it. I just knew it was an Elton John album. And it's also um, an Elton's heavy story line for which the show. Which kind of gives you a clue if you mm-hmm. knew that, I guess. Um, I did not, but no, but that go. album, after looking it up, it has Tiny Dancer on it, which, you know, he makes, Elton makes a reference to that. Um, but I knew that it had to be an Elton-centric episode just based upon that going into it. Um, so I'm curious to hear what you thought because you didn't know that going into it, so... Um, but in any case, this is the, um, where we left off the last time we've got, um, the kids, the kids squad, whatever you want to call them. And they, um, and they are totally determined to go and find, uh, the dad, um, scientist, a virus, uh, and hope. Yeah, meta-wise, where where this show is at. This is actually episode five, H.A. We feel like we've been watching it for seven, but it's only the fifth episode. Oh, God, really? Uh, It's getting a little tiring. What we're looking at here is the sisters want to find their dad. Huck and Felix want to save the sisters from themselves. Uh, Silas and Elton have very muddy motivation, in my opinion. Correct. Correct. And I have to say, just like, going into this and big overview and sort of my assessment of this show so far um, is similar to what I thought at the beginning, which is that I think that the writing is a little sloppy and the storytelling is sloppy and unbelievable in terms of uh, motivation. Like they have not, to me, they have not done a great job at building up why these characters want to do this. And not just that, but um, you know, we were, we left this with like Felix and Huck coming upon this group and not being able to convince them that they were, they have to turn back because of survivability and that kind of thing. And then the kids being like, no, we're going to do this. And then Felix and Huck being like, well, okay, we'll come with you and really planning to change their minds. And then them trying to go after like the weakest link in the group, Elton, uh, to try to help them win over the rest of the people. And the reason why I say that the storytelling is weak and the character building is weak is because, you know, I'm not invested in any of these characters, really. Felix is probably, to me, the one I am the most invested in because I think we know, I think he's a great actor. Um, but I don't, I think he, this is despite what the script and the storytelling has been at this point. And the believability piece is that I just don't believe that this group of kids would have this much power over two warriors, so to speak, like Felix and Huck. And I, and I, so it's hard for me to really swallow that. It's a very Um, kinder, kinder, gentler apocalypse where Felix and Huck are willing to hang their survival out there on the whims of some teenagers who are just like, and, and like you uh, said, criticized last week, 
the first scene of this episode is a bunch of them. They're just walking down the street, all having very loud conversations. Yeah. And I'm like, and Felix and Huck, why are you even? Ha- why are you even here? You know, it's crazy. Right. And and so these things, and so those things especially bother me because. I just don't believe that this would happen here in this world and certainly not with Felix and Huck present. Maybe, maybe if they weren't present, I could see the teenagers being stupid like this because they just don't know any better because they've lived this somewhat sheltered life. Although we saw from the beginning that it wasn't that they were totally ignorant of the danger outside. So again, I'm kind of like, and they should have learned at this point how much noise is a problem. Um, So there's lots of things like this that really trouble me and just make me really not like the show. But Um, they've also basically, uh, this part of the United States, for whatever reason, has very few zombies in it. Like they're they're able to talk this loudly and nothing happens. Like that is the problem because the universe does not punish them for making the sins that we know should be like universal. Right. And then the other pieces of the story that, you know, the one from before about uh, Elton's mom. And we know now that Hope is the person that killed his mom. And, you know, so we we've gotten a, in this episode, we definitely dive deep into to Elton's background, um, which honestly, I do kind of like. I like seeing sort of the things that mm-hmm. happened to him as a kid. And that was one of the positive sides of this particular episode. Yeah. Um, but the whole drama that they are clearly trying to create between him and Man. Hope just is so annoying. They're teasing it um, out. So they're teasing it out in a way yeah. that's excruciating. Like and the, the scene where they, they kind of linger on her bracelet and Elton is like yeah. fiddling with it. And he's like, oh, I'm something about my sister as Merelda. Um, just, oh gosh, can we please just rip the bandaid off on this already? Right. Um, so that stuff really bothers me. The things on, that... On another note, H.A., they have successfully walked across all of Iowa by the end of this, ep- <laughs> by, by this episode. Because yeah. they've gotten to the Mississippi. Uh, yeah. which this is, is a long trek, man. They've gotten across a very large state. And mm-hmm. they've done it all on back roads, apparently. Which is definitely possible. But uh, they, next up is um, Illinois. And so I'm kind of interested to see if they're going to toy with the idea of Chicago at all or crossing Lake Michigan or what they're going to do with the Great Lakes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But first, we've got to get them across the Mississippi. And so that brings me to the other issue I have with this episode in terms of the storytelling, which is, you know, and again, you kind of have to believe that somehow Huck and Felix wouldn't wouldn't sort of intervene here and like they're suddenly like let's build a boat and let's come up with this engine to get across the river and then let's build the boat on sand that we're gonna have to push a really far way into the water like it doesn't make any let's not you know the whole the The, whole mechanism engine man that that pushed me just about over the edge that makes it so much heavier and why can't they just use oars why can't they paddle sure Um, you'll end up further down river but honestly in the grand scheme i think that's gonna be okay guys and also, let's talk about the nail polish thing because uh, they basically they're basically like, oh, this this boiler isn't burning hot enough. Oh, there was this whole thing of nail polish, and that's flammable. Let me tell you something about nail polish. And the writers of the show have to know this. They have to know this. But the makeup department certainly needs to know this. Everybody knows this. But basically, nail polish after a certain amount of time, and it isn't. It's definitely like maybe a year, maybe what even about if 10? it's. 
it, maybe if it's even maybe if it's sealed a year it'll be okay it's not liquid anymore it becomes solid very quickly oh um, i did not know that okay it, it becomes very viscous i mean maybe it wouldn't be completely solid and maybe if it was completely airtight maybe they might have a little bit of this and be able to coax it out in this way, but I don't, they certainly wouldn't be getting four buckets full of nail polish. The, the other part is like the, how much they pour into this. Um, so anyway, that was like, come on, stop being ridiculous. And so, so there's all these like little things where, okay, fine, you're going to come up with a boat and you guys are going to go across the river. Um, and then interspersed with all this sort Drama. of, drama they've got the the whole elton thing where elton is sort of on felix and huck's side and That's trying to so turn manufactured the group back. like the whole so like, manufactured felix comes up to elton he's like all right so we're gonna look at this map and we're gonna talk about how we're gonna you know get silas to come over to our side and elton's like i don't know if i agree with this and then they suddenly hope is running up to him all mad like what you've been working behind our backs i'm like no, I, I nobody thinks that. I mean, only hope does, and mm-hmm. that to me does not make good for good storytelling or good writing when right. you've got like it's a hundred percent manufactured, and hope is just hope. Hope's kind of bugging me uh, with yep. this. Also, how selfish they all are. Yeah. Especially when she's talking to Felix and she's like, "You were never really my brother. You had a chance to join my family and you didn't want to." And mm. instead of thinking like. You didn't have to leave the safety. Well, we know it's not safe, but the safety of the university to come out here and babysit me and save my life at least once so far. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe this is just the the perils of writing for teens, which is, you know, it's all ego. Um, so or id rather, and it's really difficult to to make those characters actually seem um, sympathetic. Yeah. I this is the thing that bothers me though about the writing is that they're trying to they're if the if they're trying to make this show for the younger audience for the teen audience they're treating that audience like they're dumb because I have seen other shows that have done this a lot better and they don't treat teenagers as if they're stupid and this definitely to me is treating the audience like they're stupid and so that that troubles me a lot and makes me very much annoyed and I had the same feeling about hope and her ridiculousness um and then, um, but like, let's talk about some of the positives. And the the main positive thing that I liked about this episode was Elton's backstory. Um, we have a lot of flashbacks with Elton for the night everything went wrong, the night he lost his mom. And in this one, we see his dad has entered and we get a lot more of an interaction between him and his mom. And he's a really little kid. He's maybe like five. They say he's right? five. Yeah. Five. Um, and, you know. His dad works at like this natural history museum, which explains finally the Triceratops horn or whatever. Um, and, you know, I did like those scenes, although, like you, disliked the sort of ridiculous thing, the, the focus on the bracelet, because it's like, oh, are we really going to hit this point over the head it's of everybody? Because just... if you didn't catch that, you don't <sighs> even need to do this. You don't need to do this. Um, I think they feel like they need to do this because you know what? If you're a kid and this is your mom's main piece of jewelry, you're going to know that that was hers, um, especially if it was something that that was important to her. And there were ways to do it without hitting the audience over the head with it like they did here. I don't um, know, honestly, AJ, because he's five. Uh, I don't know how maybe. complete your memories are from when you yeah. were five, especially like by the time you were 15, which is how old Elton's supposed to be now because it's 10 years later. I'm not sure how much of this... I don't think he would even remember what his parents look like. Yeah, agreed. And I also think... 
um, given the trauma that he clearly suffers and they show he suffers here, I don't know how intact his memory would be anyway. Um, because I do yeah. think, especially given his stress reaction and whatever, it's sort of shocking that he, at least, I mean, look, it's a show, so they're going to show this stuff. But I just think the reality is, is if you're a little kid who goes through some trauma like this, generally as a self-protective measure, you're going to try to block some things out and things probably wouldn't be this clear. Yeah. Um, you I might mean, remember some things, may, but Maybe not. this is just for TV's sake and, you know, it would have been an interesting artistic approach if the father's face was just blurry or something yeah, for the for the scene. I mean, because he would have remembered like in the, the, the traumatic experience of being inside the box with all the crazy right. noises that that definitely would have been. I mean, I assume it was something that probably would have had an effect on him. But he has this like, you know, 2020 hindsight, 10 years before when yeah. he was five years old, this traumatic thing happening. Yeah, and that does and I mean, look, he would remember what his mom looks like because he has a photo. He does have a so photo, he can of her. Re- so he can recall that. But you're right about the dad. Um, and then the other part of the story, I was just kind of like, huh, I don't really understand this. Um, but his dad, when he does like, so his dad basically he has this very happy memory of dusting off um, this these fossils, like this triceratops thing, and um, before everything hits. And then his dad puts him in the box and then says he's going to lock the door from the outside. And he goes through all this trauma that we see where he just hears what's happening. Mm -hmm. And he hears uh, gunfire and walkers and military. Um, And then, you know, when he finally sort of comes out because it's quiet, um, he does come across his dad. who's Immediately. Immediately, but his dad's all like so sunken in in the makeup. I was like, well, how much time was supposed to have passed? I think it was at least two days. But it looks, his dad looks like a much yeah. older walker. So that yeah. was kind of confusing to me. Um, and then, you know, but it does show him sort of as this self-efficient, self-sufficient kid that manages to find his way because he finds a map to the university hey, safe zone. Another crazy, crazy thing about five-year-olds, because I have a little bit of experience with them. They can't read. Yeah, no words or maps. Maps are yeah. an abstract concept to kids. Like, yeah. So that was something I was like, "Is he a prodigy? What's going on here?" Um, but you maybe know, he is because he is a smart guy, and so maybe he is a prodigy who can read rudimentary stuff and and follow a map. But I don't know. Sorry. And they intersperse, but so they intersperse these sort of flashbacks with things that he's going through in current time, which is you know he's claustrophobic. But yet he's asked to sort of fix the belt on this thing because he's the smallest person to get in there. Um, but it's hard for him to do that. And we, sh- we see his stress reaction to that. Um, we see like the storytelling between him and the other group. And then, of course, as we mentioned, they build up this thing between him and Hope that's going to be ridiculous when it finally gets revealed, of course. Um, and then <laughs> Hope seeing the, the headshot finally after they have like a sweet moment. Yeah. And and then, of course, you know, at the, that's like the end of the episode. And then somebody walks into their camp and what? Yeah. where's Felix? And Huck is already off into the woods somewhere to go right. scout ahead for some unknown reason. And also uh, she decides to scout ahead at the pitch black of in night. The night. Does that <laughs> in make the middle sense? of the night, yeah. Because um, your intel is going to be so much better when you can't see what you're looking or walking through. Um, and also I want to make one more mention about uh, Huck, just that she suddenly like, maybe we should just go with these kids. <laughs> and this is yeah. what's going to make them great. And that also seems 
totally implausible. Well, we got also me. a little bit of her backstory, which not right. much, but how how she ended up at the university, which was they found her floating on a I raft know. down the Missouri, right. uh, and that's why they called her Huck, and she didn't know if she was going to live or die, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we can assume that it's pretty bleak, like Bob levels of bleak, yeah. you know, surviving on your own. Um, so yeah. bad, bad stuff. You remember Bob? Mm-hmm. Good, old, good old Bob. Uh, and this also Felix's plan here is take the boat down the Mississippi to, I guess, St. Louis. You know, where does it intersect with uh, the Mississippi intersects with the Missouri at some point? I think it's St. It's, it's in St. Louis. And then follow the Missouri banks all the way back to Omaha or to the university, which right. is all the way through Kansas City. <laughs> right. Through a major metropolitan area back to wherever the university is supposed to be. I'm not sure if it's north or south of Omaha. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, it's like you're assuming that Felix somehow has this, like, insane knowledge of this area that, I mean, I don't know exactly what he's done, but does he have this full knowledge? Do any of them have this knowledge of this map that they would be able to actually do that? I don't know. It just feels a little crazy to me. So to to me, it just feels like it might almost be easier to walk all the way to New York than to do this uh, river trek. Right, right. Um, But hey, this is where they're going with it, and uh, I don't know. I like this episode just felt long, so long to me. Um, And they even had a montage of them making the boat, which should have made it go a lot more quickly, but it just didn't. The, um, the, when they're all banging hammers into the boat, I was like, all right. And so this is where the zombies are going to, oh, no, yeah, wait. I thought the we same have thing. to have lightning strike a utility pole and collapse into Daiquiri Town. And that's what's going to be introduce the zombies because there are no zombies outside. They're all locked up. Like, oh, my gosh. This just doesn't, it, it feels like a, a very safe version of the, the Walking Dead universe, even, you know, more than in the prime show where the zombies aren't a real threat here. They present the zombies as an actual threat. Although there's like 15 of them. You've got Huck and Felix who could probably kill them all. I assume like they could figure out a way to take all these walkers out. Like this, we've we've seen there are a lot of them, but it's not an un, especially with the number of people that they have, but just Huck and Felix could probably do it. And and then they even have this whole, you know, when they're starting to come through, and come to the river, They Felix sets up this whole thing with the fishing line. Yeah. And so they're all pretty much caught up on the ropes in that, which would be pretty easy to just, you know, right. And he backs them. away instead of trying to take a few of them out while they're, I didn't get right. that either. And then Hope and Iris, like, do this linebacker tackle thing on a couple of them. Each of them dive at a zombie. Did you, I, but, I was like, what? Yeah, but they don't actually do anything. And it's just strange to me. Yeah. So I, in any case, this is this is why I'm finding the show pretty frustrating. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe there'll be something that they... Um, I think they're clearly trying to do something with this new person in the woods that's watching them or whatever. But um, I thought it looked like Huck at first, but I couldn't really tell. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, did you see the post-credits scene from the last episode? Oh, maybe not. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. It's and I don't know how often they do this. There was no post credit scene for this episode. Uh, I only knew about it, and this is from the wrong end of the telescope, I believe, because the internet was flipping out about A's and B's and the CRM and uh, what what does an A mean? What does a B mean? Because this uh, this little scene probably sheds some light on that. Oh, and, I missed um, it. What yeah. was it? Well, I mean, you can go and watch it, but I mean, yeah. So it's it's basically. I, I'm pretty sure it is. It is shot and set in the research facility where their dad is, more oh. than likely, although he is not in it. He is, he's in it in a photo, but 
you don't he's his character isn't in it and then uh it's it's kind of it goes into um the kind of research that's going on in this facility i suggest you go out go and, and watch it it's, right. uh and and keep an eye on a's and b's and there's a bit of storytelling going on there all right and well, another I'll, I'll and another evil sandwich the sandwiches of evil in this show <laughs> are very telling they are um but anyway like so look uh, obviously we're going to keep watching this and see where it goes for the season but i'm not impressed so far um and hopefully like so we'll see what happens um hey, if they go but, into chicago I'll, I'll i'll perk up if they can cross all of illinois in episode six uh, I'll definitely. great <laughs> um but let us know what you think about it um if you have some thoughts send us an email reanimated reanimatedpodcast.gmail.com you can leave us a note on our site reanimatedpodcast.com or you can tweet at us at reanimatedpcast um and you know i i I will keep watching, but I am not, I'm not, even compared to Fear the Walking Dead, this is not my favorite sort of uh, yeah. spinoff of this show. Hey, the next episode is directed by Michael Cudlitz, so. Well, maybe it'll be better then, <laughs> so we'll see. But I do like Michael Cudlitz, he's a good director, so. Yeah. But again, the writing thus far is not impressing me. Yeah. Um, with the small, again, I, I think uh, Elton's whole storyline is pretty good. Um, but it, it, at least his flashback was pretty good it, despite some of the implausible pieces. So, so let's see what happens in the next one. Um, and until next time, ciao. Thanks for listening and bye. <laughs>